everyone. Please stand with us.
Amen. I hope you're alive this morning. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my doom till I met you. You called my name.
you were asleep when you came in, hopefully you're awake now, amen? Great day to be in the house of the Lord. Would you take a moment, welcome those around you, let them know that you're glad that they are here. All right, good morning, good morning. If you will return to your seats, you may be seated. All right, welcome this morning to Northside Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if this is your first time with us, thank you for being here. There's a lot of places that you could have chose to worship this morning, but I believe the Spirit of God led you here, so thank you for coming. You are our guest uh, we want to pray for you, encourage you any way that we can. Um, and so one way that, that it's helpful for us, if you let us know that you're a first-time guest, there's a couple ways you can do that. Uh, one, in the bulletin, there's a QR code that you can scan. Um, just fill out a couple simple questions. It's safe, secure on there. Or there's a connection card out there um, in the foyer. You can take a moment and just fill that out um, to let us know that you're here. And I'll be in the, the foyer on your way out. Please just come by, introduce yourself to me. Um, and if there's a way that we can, again, help you, pray for you, please don't hesitate um, to let us know. So we got a couple things this morning uh, that we're going to do. One, it's the last Sunday of the month, which means it's children's sermon. So we'll do that in a few minutes. We'll continue to read through the book that we started a couple months ago. But before we do that, we want to, um, this morning, emphasize. We've been, I told you, we've been trying to emphasize some different mission opportunities, and we're trying to coordinate with our youth with them being able to go and, and work at the pregnancy center, maybe on a Wednesday night and volunteer and serve and help out. So we thought it would be helpful that before they did that, that we just had a Sunday morning where we emphasize the pregnancy center. And so this morning, we're blessed to have Miss Cindy um, with us, who's the director of the pregnancy center. So she's going to come and speak in just a moment. But before that, we have a video that we're going to show, and then she's going to come, and then I'll come up after her, and we'll have a time of prayer um, for that ministry. So check out the video. Thank you. 
morning. Can everybody hear me? Yeah. Um, thank you for allowing me to share our ministry this morning. Um, Northside Baptist is very special to me. My parents started attending this church from day one. My dad helped build the fellowship hall. Um, so I know a lot of people here and uh, a lot of familiar faces out there. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Um, and we appreciate your support. Uh, Coweta Pregnancy Services has been serving the community for over 38 years. We've been sharing hope and help for those facing an unplanned pregnancy. We provide medical grade pregnancy tests, ultrasound exams, and we also do parenting classes, pregnancy and parenting classes, just to equip moms to be the best parents that they can be. Um, through those classes, they can earn a new crib, a new car seat, clothes, diapers, wipes, so we accept donations of new and used clothing, toys, uh, anything baby related other than cribs and car seats. We can't accept used cribs and car seats um, for obvious reasons. So, um, but we serve about 1,200 people annually. We help them. Um, a lot of people think we're a teen pregnancy center, which is couldn't be further from the truth. Our largest age group is 21 to 24 or 25 to 29, or our largest age group of people coming in. Um, the teens that normally come in, we do get teens. Um, they normally want to keep their babies. Um, but the largest segment nationwide that have abortions are parents that already have children. It's a financial decision. We can't afford another child, which if you look at it, I mean, that's very sad that they have a child that's running around and they see that life. Um, and they just can't afford to have another baby, so they want to terminate the pregnancy. Um, parenting is the number one choice that we hope they choose. Um, and again, we help them equip. We walk along beside them. We meet them where they are, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Um, we share the gospel with everybody that comes in. But if they're just not ready to have that child, um, we suggest adoption. We're trained on adoption every year on how to present adoption to families not ready to parent. Um, Pastor Aaron can attest to that. Um, that's a huge part of what we do. And then we go over the abortion procedures because if they go to Planned Parenthood, they're not gonna tell them the truth. We hope they come to us first. If you Google abortion in Coweta County, we're gonna come up because we want them to come to us and hear the truth. We wanna share that truth with them, the gospel, and let them know that that's a life growing inside of them. Um, how can you help? We need your prayers. Prayers for our staff, our volunteers, our clients that come in, again, that, we, that they find us and, and we can share the truth with them. We take donated items, boxes of diapers. We're always going through boxes of diapers. We help moms in the community that, that need that help, that are out of work, um, just need that little bit of help. And then we have volunteer opportunities throughout the year, whether it's sorting baby clothes or um, counseling, mentoring at our parenting classes, we train you. Um, Ashley Thompson is one of our board members, so she, she volunteers there for mothers of multiple. So um, we just appreciate, because I'm the only full-time staff member, we have three part-time staff members, and then we're mostly run by volunteers. So we definitely appreciate and always need volunteers to come in. So yeah, we just thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. So this is something that Gary and I, God laid on our hearts, I don't know, maybe a month ago, we had a chance to go have a breakfast. They had uh, hosted some pastors to come in and 
Um, and so what we want to do is some point, we're hoping in October, um, that Gary's going to be able to take some youth and some of our adult volunteers there on a, on a Wednesday night. And so what we would like to do as we go is to take stuff with us. So this will be in the bulletin next week, but for the next several weeks, we're going to encourage you to bring some items to donate. And I asked Cindy, what are some specific things that you're in need of right now that we could bring? And so again, this will be in the bulletin next week, but if you want to get started, newborn diapers, newborn diapers, pull-ups of all sizes, sippy cups, and pacifiers. Those are the four things that she specifically said they're in need of now. Again, this will be in the bulletin. They also do take gently used clothes. Of course, you can buy new clothes as well. So if you have some clothes that are gently used that you're looking to get rid of from preemies through six. Is that correct? Through six. Um, and you can bring those. We'll have a place for you to bring that stuff over the next couple weeks. And then again, the hope is then for the youth to take them and sort all those. And I think there's some other physical things that they can do down there um, as well. And so right now, we just want to have a time of prayer um, for Cindy and the staff and again, those clients um, that come in there as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for Cindy. We thank you for the part-time staff. We thank you for the many, many volunteers that God, in the, in the midst of a culture of death, they are standing for life. In a culture of darkness, they are shining the light of Jesus Christ. Lord, as they counsel with these, these women, with these men, Lord, we pray that you would give them the words to say. We pray, God, that you would already be at work um, in the hearts and the lives of these clients. Lord, that you would be the very one that's guiding them to the pregnancy center versus an abortion clinic. Lord, that you value life. We know that you love life. We know that you're the giver of life. And this is one tangible way for us as Northside in Coweta County to be able to partner with the local ministry who's doing a lot of great and awesome things for the glory of God and the furtherment of the kingdom, that we could be a part of that. So, Lord, thank you for those who serve. Lord, I know Miss Ashley helps with that. Maybe others have helped, or maybe they've been thinking about getting involved more specifically with the Pregnancy Center. Father, we thank you for what has happened in recent months. God, with the overturning of of Roe v. Wade, and Lord, we know that now that's at a state level, and no, by no means is that resolved, by no means does that mean abortion will be no more. Father, there's more work to be done, so raise up the people of God who have received the life of God through Jesus Christ, and that we would just stand for that. Lord, that you would be glorified and honored in all that we say and do in Jesus' name, amen. All right, kiddos, Mr. Daniel's up here waiting on you. So you come up. Daniel's doing children's sermon this month. Next month, it's going to be Miss Rachel. If others of you who love kids would be interested and willing to do it at some point, you just come see me. Wait, let me get out of here for you. Right, you can sit right here. I promise. I won't bite. I look big and scary, but I'm not. All right, so over the last couple of times that we've gone through this book, we've talked about the creation, when God created everything, and everything was good, right? Yeah, it was really good. But then what happened? Oh, no, sin came in. Then it got bad. And then wh what did he do? What did God do? He sent Adam and Eve out of the garden. He's like, nope, y'all got to go. 
When you sinned against me, you got to get out of the garden because I had this created for you. But wait, there's more. <laughs> it goes from bad to worse. Can y'all imagine that? They already got kicked out of the garden. How could it get any worse? So let's talk about the story today. <laughs> so although it was true that someday everything wrong was going to be made right, it seemed at first as if everything bad was only getting worse. After sin came into the world, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. God set up an angel and threw down a flaming sword so that no one could get back to the live forever tree. At least not back the way they came. God's people would need another way to live with God to live forever. But that's a part of the story we'll save for later. Because on the other side of the garden, people seem more interested in death than in life. <clears throat> Adam and Eve had a son, Cain. He worked the ground. That means he liked to plant. He liked plants and crops and things. And they had another son who would watch sheep. His name was Abel. Well, the son's name was Abel, not the sheep. We don't know what the sheep's name was. Maybe it was Bob. <laughs> Could be a ton of different names. <clears throat> One day, Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the crops, and Abel brought an offering from his animals. God was extremely pleased with Abel's sheep because it was an offering of faith. <clears throat> but God was not really happy with Cain's offering. This made Cain angry. So God says something like this. Come on, Cain, get a grip. Sin's knocking at your door. And if you invite this evil into your heart, it's going to take over everything. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. Cain turned away from God's word and then turned on his brother. When they were both in the field alone, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. The first murder. Oh, no. And another curse. God told Cain that his crops wouldn't grow like they used to. And while God promised to protect him, Cain was driven from his home just like his parents had been. What a mess. Can y'all believe that? It's just getting worse. Later on, there would be a man named Lamech who liked to kill people too, just like, his, just like Cain did. He also liked having a bunch of wives. So he took two of them. I'm, I love my wife, but I only want one. <coughs> but that was another thing that was not the way it was supposed to be. You're only supposed to have one wife. Sin was everywhere and in everyone. The world was in trouble. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, <coughs> we come to you today. With, we know sin is bad, and it's got worse and worse as it's gone on. But we know there is a path, there is a way to get, get our life and to keep everlasting life in you, Lord. And as we go through this book, we'll learn more and more about that. Lord, <coughs> be with us as we go through this day and through the rest of this week. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir. All right, so this morning we have children's church, but only for our youngest age group. So the last Sunday of the month are K through second. Right, they stay in here um, and get to learn what it looks like to, uh, to worship and to sit under the preaching of God's word. But our youngers are going to make their way out right now. Everybody else, if you will take your copy of God's Word and open it to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So we have been in Ephesians 5 for over a year. We've taken a break along the way. We, we took the summer off from Ephesians. And we find ourselves coming right to this very important, we talked last week in our culture, controversial verses of Scripture. Uh, when it's speaking of wives and husbands, and so last week we looked at God's Word to wives. This morning we will look at God's Word to husbands, and then next week we'll kind of come back to the husband's part, but then we'll also finish out through verse 33 as we zero back in on marriage. All right, if you have your copy of God's Word, would you please stand in honor of reading God's Word? I'm going to read verses 25 through 27, because those are the verses that we will cover this morning. This is the word of God. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Let's pray. Father God, this morning as we come to these verses of Scripture, to these words that you have spoken and addressed to husbands, Lord, I come just seeking your grace, seeking your strength, seeking your mercy. God, there are men probably in this room who are more qualified than I would be to speak to this. Men who have been husbands longer than I. Men who are wiser and who have learned more than I. So Father, I speak as one who is on the road but has yet to arrive. Father, I also this morning understand that there are women in this room whose husbands are not believers. There are men in this room who maybe do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are husbands in this room, Lord, who are not loving their wives as Christ loved the church. They are not sacrificially giving and leading their homes. There are men in this room by your grace who are doing that, but God, no one has arrived. So Spirit of God, we are so dependent upon you right now. So speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want you to notice two main things. We're going to go through the first one probably in a couple minutes. So don't think, wow, we're halfway through the sermon because we're going to spend most of our time on the second one. First thing I want you to notice is the command. The command. So Paul addresses, remember, we believe that Paul is writing this, but he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is guiding him, the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. So this is the words of God. And he says, husbands, 
Love your wives. Now, if we were reading through this for the first time, like we had never opened, you got a copy of God's Word for the first time, and you're reading, and you read verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, and then you come to husbands, you may think or assume Paul's about to say, husbands, lead your wives. He just said, wives, submit. He just said, husbands, you're the head. You have authority. So we think he might say, husbands, lead your wives, but that's not what he says. Instead, he says, husbands, love your wives. Now, this Greek word love, um, it's in the verb tense, so it's an action. We're to be doing this, and this is in the imperative. It is a command. He is commanding, husbands, love your wives. So often, this will be on the screen, so often we think of love strictly in terms of emotion and feeling. And certainly that's a part of it. Like we have affection, we have feelings for people. But what God does is he relates love to the will and not just the emotions. So love is a choice. It's an act of the will. Right? We read in scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. God is not saying, if you feel like it, love me with all your heart. This is a matter of choosing the will to love. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. There's not a parenthesis if you feel like it. You are called to love your neighbor, whether you feel like it or not. And then he says, husbands, love your wives. In fact, he tells us that men three times. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives. And then in verse 33, however, let each one of you love his wife. So that's number one, the command. Number two, I told you we'd go through that quickly. Number two is the call. The call. So what Paul does is he tells us to love our husband, to, to love our wives, right? Husbands, love your wives. And then he gives us two analogies. We'll look at analogy number one this morning, and then we'll touch on analogy number two next week. And again, I understand in this room, we have widows. In this room, we have wives whose husbands aren't believers. In this room, we have men who are struggling, men who are unbelievers. I get there's a wide spectrum this morning, and I pray wherever you are that God would just speak to your hearts and that you would listen as the Spirit of God speaks. So here's the analogy. Husbands, love your wives as or like Christ loved the church. Husbands, you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He gave of his life for his bride. In the scripture, there's this imagery of Christ as the bridegroom and the church as his bride. And he gave his life. He laid down his life on the cross. Right? He was beaten. He was murdered. He was crucified. And he did this so that he could save and redeem his bride. And husbands, you are to love your wife like that now here's why i say it's a call men hear me apart from the transforming work of the holy spirit in your life no man could ever love like this let me go further no man would ever want to love like this now you may in a moment 
Like your adrenaline picks up and you may be willing to sacrifice for your wife or you may be willing to get in harm's way and die for her. But we're not just talking about literally laying down your life, so that's a part of it. We're talking day after day after day, you love in a way that it's never about you, but it's always about your wife. Like you're sacrificing for her. No one would ever want to love like that. You can't love like that because we're selfish. We're sinners by nature. That's who we are. But this is something God calls us to. So husbands, hear me. I'm speaking to believers in Christ in this room. The moment that the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart, and He begins to open your eyes and open your ears, and He begins to, to, to train, change your heart to where you're born again, that moment that you cry out, God save me, I'm a sinner. That moment that you repent of your sins and confess your sins and you believe in Jesus Christ, whether you are single at that moment and hope to get married one day or you are already married, when you say yes to Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, you also say yes to this call that you will love your wife as Christ loved the church. This is a call. Now some men read words headship and authority and leadership and they're like yeah like i get to run the house i'm in control do what i say listen to me submit to me hear me this is not a call that you boast in men this is a weight that you will feel your entire life your entire life you are called to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And because you are the head and you are given authority and you are called to lead them, a day is coming in which you will stand before God and you will give an account for that. This isn't something you boast in. This is a weight that you feel for as long as you have breath. This is what you and I are called to. Honestly, guys, I didn't want to get out of bed this morning. I'm just going to be honest with you. This is not an easy message to preach. This is not an easy message to hear. And my goal this morning is not to try to beat you up, but it's just to call us to what the Scripture calls us to. Because the reality is we all fall short of this. We're all a work in progress. So what are we called to? We are called, number one, to a sacrificial love. That's what we're called to. When you say, I do to Jesus, and then you say, I do to your bride, you are called to a sacrificial love. Look what he says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Paul uses the Greek word agapao. The noun is agape. It's the love of choice, unconditional, sacrificial love, selfless love. This is the love God has for us, the love he has for his bride. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That was to Israel. Malachi 1-2, I have loved you. John 3-16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Romans 5-8, but God shows or demonstrates his love for us. Ephesians 2-4, because of the great love with which he loved us. Right, this is what he says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus voluntarily gave up his life for his bride. Hear me, it wasn't taken from him. He was not a victim. He laid it down. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Galatians 2.20, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. It's right there. You can look at it. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. How? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. John 10, 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus willingly laid down his life for his bride, the church, and men, we are called just like that to love our wives. Now, point of application. Again, there's so much that could be said this morning. Point of application. The love Jesus showed for us was a sacrificial love demonstrated by giving of his life for his bride. Jesus gave his life for his beloved. He died so that she might live. This is what Jesus has, has done for us. And this is the kind of love that we are called to as husbands. Now, some people in the room, male, female, whatever the subject, marriage, financing, communication, you're like, hey, pastor, could you just give me like a list of five things? Just say, go do this, and I'll go do it, and I'll be a better husband. But notice that is not what Paul does. When Paul speaks to husbands, where does he point us? What does he do? He points us to Jesus. He points you to the cross. He points you to atonement. He says, husbands, if you want to love like this, you've got to look to Jesus, who knew no sin but became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. You must look to the cross. Jesus died for you so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you could be made right with God, so that you could have eternal life, so the wrath of God would be satisfied. That's what he does. He points us to the cross. And when we look to the cross, here's the point of application. We see that love is not dependent on the performance of another person. Love is not dependent upon the performance of another person. That's not how our culture loves. It's not how they love. But that's how we're called to love. Love your wife in the same way that Christ loved his church. John Stott says, He will give himself for her in order that she may develop her full potential under God and so become more completely herself. Agape love seeks the highest good of the one loved. It's a choice. It's unconditional, meaning it's not conditioned upon the other person. You remember last week when we talked about if you and I could see the thought bubbles of every person in this room? How we would begin to think differently of one another if we really knew what we were thinking, if we really knew what we did in secret? You remember what I said? Jesus already knows. Like Jesus knows all of that. Whatever you've ever thought, what you're going to think, what you're thinking right now. He knows what you did five years ago. He knows what you did this morning. He'll know what you're going to do in a week from now. And he still died on the cross for your sins. He did not die for his bride after the bride got it all figured out. Jesus didn't wait, okay, once you get your act together, then I'll die for you. Okay, you're doing good now. Now I'm going to lay down my life for you. No, he laid down his life for the bride when she was in sin. Men, sometimes we tend to love our spouses based upon their performance. Based upon what they can or can't do, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. Well, pastor, you don't know how she is. You don't know what she's done. Look, I'm not saying none of that is unimportant. There's counseling for that. And I would encourage you, if your marriage is struggling, to seek out counseling, to seek help, to seek wisdom. But at the end of the day, men, hear me, it does not matter 
how your wife lives or who she is. When you said, I do, you committed to love her sacrificially, to be willing to lay down your life for her irregardless. I mean, that's what you say, sickness and health till death, right? You're, you're all in. You're going to love in this sacrificial way. Well, pastor, she's not the same person I'm marrying. Look, I'm sorry. But you didn't say, I do, condition she stays the same. We all change. We go through some seasons where we're better than others. But we are called to love unconditionally. I made, I made a comment last week, and some of y'all Wednesday night, you were teasing me about it, and, 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 and some people just wanted some clarification. And ladies, remember I said that you were supposed to be your husband's biggest cheerleader, the biggest fan. Listen, cheerleaders stand on the sidelines and they cheer on the game irregardless of the performance on the field. You could be undefeated Super Bowl champ and the cheerleaders are going to be cheering. You could be the worst team ever and they're going to be cheering. You don't apply that to marriage. That's not how marriage works. Men, if you want your spouses to encourage you, right, to build you up, to lift you up, then love them as Christ loved the church. Let them see that consistently, that whatever it is, you'll lay down your life for them. You'll sacrifice your wants, your needs, your desires for them, and, and eventually it's going to be easier for them to cheer them on. Now, for some of you who your husbands are unbelievers, when I say be your husband's biggest fan, I just mean pray for them more than anybody else would ever pray for them. And if your husband's struggling in some areas, then find where they're doing well and seek to encourage them in that area. But men, you've got to lead. And you lead by loving sacrificially. Now here's the good news before we move on to the second point, and that is this. That which God commands, he will empower you to do. Men, this is a weight. And God will not call you to something that he will not empower you to do. It is possible, men, for you to love your wife in this way. Because number one, Christ died for you to, to save you, forgive you, and to transform you. He gives the Spirit of God who indwells you, who transforms you. He's given you His Word, which leads and guides you. And then, oh yeah, by the way, He puts you within a community of godly brothers and men. Who that if you would just go to and say, hey, I need help, pray for me, I believe would come alongside of you. There's no man in this room who can stand up and say, hey, I've got this all figured out. We're all working together. And so he's placed you here. Seek wisdom, seek help, seek prayer from your other brothers and sisters. So this is, we're called to a sacrificial love. Secondly, we're called to a purifying love. Now let me explain what Paul does here. Paul now takes a moment and he goes above and beyond the marriage relationship. So he describes what he has done and why he gave up his life for the church. There's three reasons, three that clauses. Verse 26, that he may sanctify her. Verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Um, and then the last part, that she might be holy and without blemish. F.F. Bruce writes, Christ's intention was to have the church as his own possession, the community of his holy people, set apart for himself. But to this end, the church must be cleansed. The defilement, which had previously adhered to its members, must be washed away. So why did Christ lay down his life for the church? Three reasons. Paul says, number one, verse 26, that he may sanctify her. That word sanctify means to set apart unto God. He's not saying, men, you're to sanctify your wives. Again, now he's pointing us to Christ, what Christ has done for the church. So he's talking here about sanctification. 
I think, based upon my study, and many commentaries agree, that what Paul's speaking of here is positional sanctification. So at the moment when you came to faith in Christ, you immediately were declared right with God. We call that justification. But also when you came to faith in Christ, you were immediately declared set apart for God. So that when God sees you, he sees Christ in you. He sees you as holy. That is your position. In Christ, you are now holy, set apart. I believe that's what he's talking about here, that he has set us apart. But we also know that there is progressive sanctification. That is, the Spirit of God is in us, and we begin to imitate God more and more. We become more holy in our practice. We're growing in our walk with the Lord. That is progressive sanctification. And then you have final sanctification or glorification, which I think Paul speaks to in just a minute. So he says, that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Now I think the word here is speaking to the gospel. You hear the gospel, it's how you come to know the gospel, to receive the gospel, to believe in the gospel, because you hear the word. But he says washing of water. Now, commentaries are all over the place as to what this could mean. Maybe it refers to multiple things. Um, some people think it refers to that moment of salvation where you're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Some thinks that it refers to baptism, Right, not, not baptismal regeneration. As some teach, you have to be baptized to be saved. But rather, you've been cleansed through the Holy Spirit. Now you make that public by following him in believer's baptism. It's a sign that you have been cleansed. Others think it refers to Ezekiel 16. God describes in Ezekiel 16 how he entered into this marriage covenant with Israel, cleansing and washing her and then others thinks it goes back to a ritual that was done with jewish women in this culture and that is before they got married they would go down and they would take a bath which was symbolically purifying them before they entered into marriage either way the point the emphasis here is that christ died to cleanse you to wash away your sins and to set you apart but then look what he says, verse 27. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Oh, brothers and sisters, don't miss this. This is glorification. That a day is coming in which the bride of Christ will stand before the bridegroom and there will be no spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing. All of that will be gone. No more sin, no more decay, no more death. The bride of Christ and all of her splendor and all of her glory and all of her purity before the bridegroom. Somebody say amen. amen. That day's coming. That day's coming. And it's why Christ laid down his life was to purify a bride. But then he also says that she might be holy and without blemish. I know it's been like a year since we covered these verses, but Ephesians 1 verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Holy and blameless before him. So this is why Jesus laid down his life. Now, I want to make a point of application to us as husbands as we begin to kind of land the plane. So take us a, it's going to be a slow land, but we're going to begin to land the, the plane. Here's the point of application. So often, we only see the spots, the wrinkles, the blemishes, and the sins of the church. We do not yet see the church as Christ sees it. And as husbands, sometimes we have a tendency to see our wives the same way. When you see the church of Jesus Christ, it is very easy that what we focus on are the spots and the blemishes and the sins 
in the shortcomings, in the weaknesses, in the failures. It's very easy to identify pastors who have morally failed, church members who have failed morally, made a wreck of their marriage, just split a church. Like that's what we focus on sometimes are the negatives of the church. But that's not all that Jesus sees. Jesus already knows what we will ultimately become. He already sees that in its perfected state, and we're heading that way. And sometimes as husbands, we have a tendency to only focus on the spots and the wrinkles and the blemishes. Well, husband, my wife used to look like this, and she no longer looks like that. My wife used to act like this, and she no longer acts like that. Pastor, you don't know some of the things she says and some of the things that she does, and, and we have a tendency, right, to focus on the flaws, and we're all flawed. We have a tendency sometimes as husbands to be overly critical, overly harsh, to be overly maybe rude. And I've talked about sometimes my tone is not the greatest, right? We, we all struggle with that. So here's what I want to do as we conclude, because this has been on my heart this week. Men, I want for you to retrain your mind so that you see your wife for who she really is. And I want to give you two things. Men, I want you to understand, again, I'm talking to men who are married. This is, if you're single, one day you're going to be married, you need to understand, you need to start seeing that lady this way as well. But I'm talking, men, if you're here, you're married, and your spouse is beside you, I want you to understand chiefly who she is, number one, is that your wife is a daughter of God. That your wife is the daughter to the king. Now, when you begin to court your wife, and you begin to date her, if her father was around and he was a good guy, right, you probably wanted to please him. You probably wanted to honor him. Like, you wanted him to know, sir, I promise, she's your daughter. She does not belong to me. She's your daughter, and I'm going to treat her the right way. Some of you men, when you were ready to propose to your wife, you went to her father and you said, can I have her hand in marriage? I don't really know what that means, but can I marry her? Or can I have your blessing? Why? Because you understood. You wanted her dad to be pleased. Men, hear me. In a much greater way, the wife that you are married to ultimately belongs to her father, who is God. And he, by his grace, he didn't have to do this, by his grace entrusted her to you. And one day, she will stand before her father, and you will give an account for how you treated his daughter. Anybody want to boast and brag about authority now? No. This is meant to humble us. That a day is coming in which his daughter will stand before her father. So men, hear me. The way you talk to her matters. The way you treat her matters because she is not ultimately yours. She does not ultimately belong to you. Your marriage is temporary. You won't be married. I know it's going to 
bum some of you out or maybe make some of you happy. Don't answer either way. But you're not going to be married to her for all eternity. This is temporary. There'll be no need for marriage. We'll get there next. There'll be no need for marriage when we're in glory. Right now, marriage is a picture. Once you're with Christ, there's no need for it any longer. So how are you going to treat her? And the second thing I want you to see is this. Your wife is part of the bride of Christ. See, not only is she your wife, not only is she the daughter of the king, but she is also part of the bride. Because as a believer, she's part of his church, which means she's part of the bride of Christ. And a day's coming in which the bridegroom is coming for his bride. And when she stands before the bridegroom, you want her to be ready. So when I got married, right, that wedding day, I'm not allowed to go right into where they get ready. For me, it was simply, let's put on the tux and let's go get married. There's a lot more that goes into that for you ladies, is there not? You got the hair and the makeup and like the 15 people helping get the dress on, right? There's all this that goes into, because when the bride walks down the aisle, like you want her to be ready as she meets the groom. Men, hear me. A day's coming in which your wife is going to stand before Jesus. And you want her spiritually to be as ready as she can possibly be. Now, you can't make her grow in her walk with Christ. You can't force her to be a believer. You can't force her to love Jesus. But the way that you love her, the way that you pray for her, the way that you lead her, it ought to be you. Come on, honey. We're going to be more like Jesus. Come on, we want to love Jesus. We're going to serve Jesus together. And that's on you. And that's on me. They will not stand before God and give an account for how they led me. But I will stand before God and give an account for how I led that lady. She's not mine. So two things. I told you I didn't want to preach this today. Two things. How do we do that? I'm not going to give you a list of ten things, men. I'm just going to be honest and read to the point. Number one, you need to love Jesus supremely. Men, you need to love Jesus supremely. Hear me. I read this years ago, Adrian Rogers. He says, my wife knows I can love her more by putting her second than I could ever by putting her first. Your wife doesn't need to be first in your life. And if she loves Jesus, she doesn't want to be first. She wants Jesus to be first. That's what she prays for. That's what she longs for. Is it more than anything? More than your love for your job? More than your love for your sports team? More than your love for your kids? And your hobbies? Is that you will love Jesus first. And if you love Jesus first, then everything else will just sort and work itself out if you love Jesus supremely more than anything else. That's what they want, and that's what they need. And number two, you are to love the bride of Christ. Your wife, your sister in Christ, if she is a believer, is part of Christ's bride. She is part of the church. Church universal, but she's also part of a local church. And so, if you want to lead her well, then you need to love Jesus supremely, and you need to love the local body of Christ. I believe no one in your home should love Northside more than you men. It should not be your wife 
having to plead for you to come to church. It should not be that your wife is begging you to come back to church. It should not be that your kids or dad, come on, can we please go to church? Listen, you set the tone. It's you. Kids, we're going to church tomorrow, so let's go to bed early. Like, I've got that one down pat. I go to bed early on Saturday. I don't struggle. I struggle with a lot of stuff. That one I'm good with. Like, we're going to church. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We love Jesus, and because we love Jesus, we're committed to the bride. Because one day, this bride is going to stand before Jesus. And we want to make sure that we're all ready, that you're ready, that you know Jesus. You're prepared for that day, and we do it together. So men, lead, set the example, serve. I'm not just talking men show up. Men serve. Let your kids see this is what it looks like to serve Jesus. This is what it looks like to love Jesus. Man, my mom and dad were here last week. They instilled that within me at an early age. We're part of the bride of Christ, and we're going to love the body of Christ. And that was my dad leading in that. Now, look, I get it. I understand. It's not everybody in this room. It's not everybody in this room. Some of you ladies, you're married to a man who's not leading. Some of you are married to a man who is an unbeliever. Some of you men in this room, you're not leading. You're not loving. You're not leading by loving sacrificially. You're not leading in a way that is seeking to help your, your wife become more like Jesus. Not. Not by being overly critical. Not by little barbs because maybe she doesn't know as much as you know about the bible no we're just we're going to love we're going to pray we're going to sing we're going to worship we're just going to follow jesus look this week as i prepared i shared this with ryan i shared this with some men this morning usually when i prepare to preach right i'm preparing to preach i'm studying to preach a message to you this week has been unique this has been a week of where i'm studying Really for myself. But the Spirit of God is, man, last week's was a lot easier. Can we just go back to talking about wives again? Like, I don't, I don't know what that's like. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not one, right? I'm, so this, this has been hard. And look, I, I don't know what, how the Lord has spoken to you, what the Lord has laid upon your heart. This is just what he laid upon my heart. And it could have said, been said more eloquently. It could have gone into a lot more detail. But this is just my heart to yours. So men, you're called called to lead by loving your wife sacrificially not just willing to die for her but willing as we'll see next week to nourish and cherish her and that's every single moment of every single day you seek to put her before yourself and if you're falling short of that we're going to sing a song in a minute and that's an opportunity for you just to confess it and i'd love to see this place filled with just husbands and wives just praying together your marriage may be great, but you're still coming to pray for somebody else. Like just husbands and wives coming together and saying, man, we're just going to love the Lord Jesus together. Hear me. It's been weighty. It's been heavy. But there's hope. There's hope for you men. There's hope for you ladies. There's hope for me. And his name is Jesus. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, I just plead with you that somehow in the midst of my blubbering emotional mess, God, that you've just spoken to your people. God, how different would the world look 
If husbands have not abdicated their role to lead or have not led in a domineering way, but have simply loved unconditionally as Christ, you love the church. How different would our country look? How different would the church look? How different would the world look? God, if husbands just begin to live out this call and this command by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Oh God, may it start with me. May it start with me. May it start with the men that are part of Northside Baptist Church. May we begin by your grace to love and lead in this way. God, may our May our spouses be patient with us. But God, they cannot encourage and support, God, that which we're not doing. So it starts with us. So so prompt that, lay that upon our hearts, we pray, as we sing this closing song this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. The altar is open. The Spirit leads you to come. You come and kneel and pray. I'm here at the front if you need need prayer. Let's worship together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever save worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you we live for you holy there is no
go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I know that there are some men in this room. They're wired very similar to me. They're hard on themselves. They beat themselves up at times. No one is more critical of them than they are. Father, my prayer is that no man leaves here just feeling defeated and beat up. Because not only are our spouses daughters of God and part of the bride, but so are we as husbands. We are sons of God, and we too are part of the bride of Christ. So God, I pray that though they feel the weight of what you've called them to, that they will also see that there is hope. And if they have not been that, that there is grace and there is mercy and there is forgiveness, if they would simply just confess it and cry out to you. But there is also the hope of change. So God, raise up godly husbands and godly fathers here in Coweta County for your glory and your honor. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to go over just a couple announcements uh, quickly. Don't forget, um, we have one week left in our men's and women's Bible study. That's this Wednesday. If you haven't been a part of it, um, it's not too late to jump in. Uh, we have a senior friends luncheon on Thursday. Please sign up before you leave. Next Sunday, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper as the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage you um, to be part of that. You see some information about youth camp, Century Kid, Fall Festival, all sorts of uh, good and exciting things um, coming up. Before Paul comes and closes in prayer, I want to give you another matter of prayer. Uh, Brian is leaving this evening um, to go with Casas Por Cristo. Um, it's a ministry that you're going to hear more about, I'm sure, in the, the weeks and months to come. Um, one of the guys that helps with that, his family was actually with us three or four weeks ago. They recently moved to the Sharpsburg area. So Brian will get on um, an airplane tonight, fly to El Paso, then in the morning go into Juarez, Mexico, where they build a house. They get it done in three days. It's very uh, detailed, very specific. While they're there, they're, they're partnering a church in the area has partnered with a family either through the church or an unbeliever maybe in the community, and they're building this house for them, sharing the gospel with them, sharing Christ with them, loving on them, and within three days you get to see this house built. So he leaves tonight. You come back when? Thir Thursday. So if you'll just be in prayer for him as he is over there um, doing the work for uh, the, the glory of God there in Juarez, Mexico. All right, Paul, if you'll come close us in prayer. Paul's going to pray for brides. So if you'll stand, let's be dismissed with the word of Aaron about the biblical wisdom of marriage relationships. Uh, help us to take these words to heart. And, uh, Lord, we also lift up Brian uh, this week as he travels. Uh, builds a house for some needy, someone needy in Mexico. Lord, pray that uh, not only does the house get built, but relationships get built too. And uh, just lift up this organization. They will continue to be successful. Bringing Jesus to, to those who need him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.